0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Haley Simon's co-founder, director at Alberta Creativity Network, form, formerly Creative Alberta. Haley, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You kind of have an interesting background, and I think it's kind of important to kind of talk about exactly what that is. But maybe before we kind of get into what you're doing, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I am a born, raised Edmonton, Alberta native. Okay. I won't tell you when I was born in Edmonton, That's fine. But, you know, it was a while ago. <laughs> Don't <worry about> that. <laughs> I am, um, you know, kind of like the monarch butterflies after spending some time uh, a few years um, outside Alberta. I, for various reasons, came back to Alberta, like uh, like that homing pigeon, and then here.
0: Sure. So you, you went away for university. Where did you go and what did you take?
1: I did. I, um, I actually spent my undergraduate years here in Edmonton at the University of Alberta, okay. wonderful university, um, made uh, amazing friends, lifelong connections and, and friends. I mean, it's such a, uh, a lightweight term for it. Um, after I finished my undergrad degree, I found um, a wonderful teacher slash mentor. Okay. Uh, I'm a pianist. And my degree was in um, piano performance. Okay. So rather than finding, you know, how, how lots of university students like to go uh, research the schools and where they want to get their degree from, I stalked a particular teacher. And his name is John Perry. And John Perry was teaching at uh, Rice University in Houston, Texas.
0: Okay. So, well, I had. No. Keep yeah. going, sorry.
1: Oh no, that's okay. No, Houston was—it uh, may as well have been the moon for somebody who had been raised in in Edmonton. And people told me, no, no, you'll find lots of similarities uh, between Alberta and Texas. And well, they were right.
0: <laughs> so before we kind of get into your your time in in Texas, what got you playing the piano?
1: Um, I I wish I my memory went back that far. Um. My sisters played the piano. We okay. had a piano in the house. My grandfather was a, a trombonist in the army back in um very early 1900s. We have pictures of him in the band with the trombone. That's cool. And um Yeah, it was really cool. I just grew up uh, around the piano and gravitated toward that, so I had known nothing else. There was nothing else in my existence, and that was the focal point for for the first uh, couple decades of my life
0: sure so how did you hear about john perry and what kind of attracted to or attracted you to wanting to kind of study with him
1: well i i think you know ultimately classical piano or classical music for that matter is a very small community everybody knows everybody else my teacher at the university of alberta um, ernesto lahano marvelous marvelous teacher and the musician uh, went to school with John, as did um, many contemporaries who are still in the classical music circle today, and he said you simply must go and uh, audition for him. I did, met him in Texas, uh, I, actually I met him in Bath, and he said, come to Texas, and I said, okay, because <laughs> uh, I would have followed him anywhere, and uh, and did spend um, a number of wonderful years there, and then came back to Alberta after I had graduated and uh, had various uh, life events happen and um, began uh, my PhD here back at the University of Alberta with um, Mark Jablonski, the late Mark Jablonski. So I've been very fortunate to have uh, people who I consider um, musical and artistic gods, in my life, and I don't say that term lightly. I, I I'm not being flip about that. These were people who um, not only touched, uh, touched me and my artistry, but but left a legacy. Well, John Perry is still with us, uh, thankfully, but but uh, Marek and Ernesto um, left an imprint on me that that I will have forever, and hopefully, uh, I can pass on to other people as well the passion, the artistry the mastery there are few people who have walked the earth uh, as as brilliant and talented as wonderful as them so i'm very very fortunate
0: no that's great I, I think like a lot of people kind of even if they don't play music listen to music on kind of a daily or a weekly basis and and you just see like with streaming services and stuff online like i was reading a stat today i think like spotify alone has over 50 million subscribers right i think just in in kind of you know, the countries that they're in. And that, that to me was like huge because they're just one of a few, right? So if you, if you Mm -hmm. take that, like it's kind of fascinating to me. So you're, what are, what's your involvement with Alberta Creativity Network and what exactly is it?
1: Okay, that's a, that's a big leap. So I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. Okay. Um, As, as a classical musician, one can tend to be, um, Uh, rather isolated. And I, I'm not an isolated person. I liked being social. And and I think the thing that, that, um, uh, cranked my engine the most is the interaction with people. So, um, the, the plight of the, the solo struggling, um, tormented artist was not an avenue I (laughs) felt Mm -hmm. inclined to pursue. And, um, uh, I, I had stopped performing as a soloist. I still perform uh, occasionally as a as a collaborative artist. Um, uh, we even went on to to have a, a new music ensemble called the Hammerhead Consort, which specialized in performing solely new music, as in uh, fresh music, fresh off the press, by living, breathing composers. And that was a really exciting and And different turn as well, because you get to see uh, the the creation aspect in in process. You don't just get to be a translator of of ghosts from the past and and that was a really exciting process as well. But um, the other avenue I had taken was teaching. and that was really interesting because of course, when you're teaching in a music studio or a private music studio, not just a classroom situation. You get to know a person and it becomes no longer just about teaching an instrument or teaching a subject. You're actually um, teaching and guiding a person. And at that point, I realized that there were some um, young people and uh, and not so young people because I, I taught uh, adult students as well who were hungry starving. For some kind of artistic fulfillment in their lives, and what that meant is they weren't getting that kind of fulfillment elsewhere. Whether it was in school, whether grade school, university, their work process, um, it led me to to investigate. You know what? Why these kids and and adults who were sitting on my piano bench weekly were lamenting the, the lack of opportunities there was in their life for some kind of creative output. We talked about earlier. We called it an outlet or or some kind of meaning uh, on a regular basis. And um, for for other uh, more physiological or scientific reasons, I like to um, think uh, that the scientific study behind. Pursuing art and music um, led to some pretty uh, significant successes in my family's lives as well. So, do you want to hear about that? Do you want want me to elaborate on that a little more? Sure, it's rather personal.
0: Well, it's up to you.
1: (laughs) I I don't mean to 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 share on that level. Um, There was a certain point uh, in in my life as as a mother of a youngster. when, uh, when we had a, received a diagnosis uh, for my youngest child of um, uh, autism, okay. and at about the same time, we received the diagnosis of Alzheimer's from my mother. So I had on both ends of the spectrum uh, something that was clearly not quite uh, right and uh, largely uh, inexplicable. There was no explanation for either of those. What I did know is that in both those cases, um, art and music especially, were the triggers that, that did something. There was response. They um, both uh, uh, grew and um, largely, well, in, in, of course, in my mother's case, she, she did pass away eventually, but, but the music was the one joy in her life, in her, in her last days. As far as my daughter's uh, concerned, um, that music really led to uh, uh, what is a, a blossoming career and uh, a hugely successful uh, scholastic career. And we knew there was something there. We knew it wasn't just a, a one-off, that music or the arts wasn't significant. And so you couple that with what I had been seeing every day on my piano bench and these people wanting more, they just wanted more out of life. And, and um, I knew that the, it wasn't music per se. There was something deeper. There was something about the music and that led to the the concept of creativity. When you boil it down, it really is just an expression, whether they wanted to, to uh, come to the kitchen table and write poetry or, or compose music, perform music, there was that, that hunger. Sure. So it was, uh, I discovered it wasn't a, a one-off. It wasn't, um, certainly an isolated situation with just my family. There are many, 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 many people out there. And, um, you know, series of events, one thing led to another. There was a wonderful, um, uh, event held in Alberta through, um, the Alberta government and the education uh, department. And, and one of the ministers, Minister Dave Hancock, uh, led an event called Inspiring Education, okay. which was uh, really a, a meaningful event in that it led to um, actually many questions. And as as so often happens when there is an event, it is just a singular event and there is no... Uh, concerted or strategic afterthought what is going to happen after this event and I was left wanting more and and we had wonderful speakers and, and Dan pink was one of them and um, and he and I maintained communication his work was um, at the time absolutely breakthrough as far as uh, right brain versus left brain um, it it was all very interesting and and of course this is seven eight years ago now so uh, that led to, hey, why don't we form a club? And, and we'll call it uh, Creative Alberta. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll make our goal to be um, uh, champion, championing uh, creativity throughout the province. And uh, as so often happens, and I'm, it, it's still astounding to me how often this happens, I wasn't the only one with this idea. Certainly, I wasn't the only one with this, this idea in North America or in the world. And we very soon found other organizations that had already been in existence or were just forming at that time. And one of the lead organizations was uh, creative Oklahoma.
0: Okay. interesting.
1: And, um, yeah. And they, they were, um, as it happens, just forming, uh, slightly sooner than Creative Alberta was, uh, we met other, um, we met each other as, as lead organization people, um, and others as well, at an event in Washington, D.C., called um, uh, AAP Art, Art, the Arts Education Partnership. And I invited a few um, education folks from Edmonton to accompany me down there, and we had a wonderful time. And we were uh, officially and um, very... uh, casually uh inducted as the only canadian members of the arts education partnership and i was very pleased and thrilled with that and thrilled to take that experience back to alberta so you know when you when you are passionate about something and, and you have an idea i think the most um powerful thing to find out is that you're not alone and you connect with other people automatically so creative alberta was formed we had um uh, the connections with these same people from from the Arts Education Partnership, Creative Oklahoma, other networks, other people who we had met through various conferences, uh, usually, again, uh, parallel to a classical music community. This creative community was very small. Everybody seemed to know each other, and the network just grew. Um, at that time, um, Creative Oklahoma was having... And still does have its yearly creative uh, events and, and conferences attended worldwide by by many many people, um, and uh, we wanted to do something like that here in Alberta. So why can't we do that here? And we and we did, and we made that our goal for 2012. Um, we wanted to hold an imagination conversation in Alberta, and the imagination conversations were based upon a precedent, a template um, called, of course, Imagination Conversations, that were held in the United States. And we had attended our first one um, under the, uh, as invitees of the head of the um, Lincoln Institute, Lincoln Center Institute for Education. And this imagination conversation for them was the culmination of a number of other imagination conversations. And, of course, it's all based on, yeah, you guessed it, uh, imagination and highlighting the importance of imagination and creativity in the um, development of of innovation. So from these events, uh, what eventually happened is the formation of an international network called the National Creativity Network. And the National Creativity Network is still in existence. We still um, uh, champion uh, n- not just the arts, of course. We champion creativity, innovation, and imagination as it um, evolves through different uh, sectors in the sectors of education, commerce, and culture. And so, of course, as the network expands, the conversation is expanding as well. And it has no longer... Um just become resting on the one pillar of arts or arts education. It's really grown quite exponentially, and there there now is no limit. We changed the name Creative Alberta to the Alberta Creativity Network to parallel what the National creativity network is doing, and um, keeping keeping in our minds that that it really is a network, and that's what we are here to do, network and Point people uh, not only to the importance of, of creativity and imagination in the development of innovation and um, mm. other other <laughs> development of, of other sectors, sure. education, but um, but to keep the conversation going and broadening it beyond our own geographical borders. That was really long-winded, Kevin. <laughs> no, no, it's it's good. It's
0: good. So I'm curious, though, like. You you guys are having these these conversations and you're you're g- growing this global network, but how are you guys promoting kind of being creative and getting the arts into kind of you know the education sector and maybe getting governments to think about this or or people to that maybe aren't creative or consider themselves not creative because I think everybody's creative at least in my opinion, um, but like how do you kind of promote the importance of creativity because I think pretty much without creativity, we wouldn't have pretty much anything that we use on a daily basis. And I think people don't even realize it's like that simple.
1: It's astounding to me. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's astounding to me that that they can't recognize that it's that simple. And I think part of the challenge is to begin to, to expand the conversation and the advocacy, it, it isn't just arts advocacy. Um, it is uh, creativity advocacy. When you elevate right. the conversation so there are fewer borders and fewer boundaries to to try and peg people into certain um, silos, the, the conversations then become uh, enormous and really, really valuable. So when you realize that um, the radio that everybody is listening to right now is a creative invention. It was invented by uh, not just the scientists. Sure. These are creative, innovative thinkers. And when you think of what it takes to to create that, what it takes to create the technology that you're using right now, uh, everybody knows uh, the story of, of Steve Jobs and the, um, well, maybe they don't, and, the, and being kicked out of school, but the only class you really loved was the calligraphy class. And, and the entire Apple empire was built on the, the desire to design different fonts. Mm-hmm. So design is absolutely at the core of our existence. And when we think of art, it's really easy for us to slip back into what we've all grown up with, and that is the segmenting siloing um construct and really an artificial construct and and pretty recent artificial construct too of here's my music class here's my math class here's my science class and those kinds of divisions are artificial and um there is no reason why why they need exist anymore
0: yeah no i i I totally agree with you because you're right like the iPhone, which most people have a smartphone at this point, like wouldn't be invented without creativity. And like a lot of people, you know, to go back to your kind of Steve Jobs reference, like, you know, they, they did other arts. Like he liked calligraphy. Some people listen to music, you know, the clothes we wear is creative. Like, I think people don't realize how like they almost feed each other. And then we, and then we feed other people, like create people that, you know, have or make a living in the creative space, you know, feed the people that necessarily maybe don't make a living in in the creative space. But I think everybody kind of feeds creativity. And even if you come up with like a, a good idea at work, where it's maybe you're not really in necessarily something that's traditionally a creative type field. But if you think of a way to like save time doing a task, well, that's creativity, right? So I think it's not always just about like painting a picture, it's about, you know, kind of even solving problems, at least in my opinion, because the, like the smartphone, for example, is, you know, revolutionary and super creative, and it solves a real problem, right? So you, you kind of to your point, like, you you bring, if you take down the barriers between kind of math and science and creativity, and a bunch of other things, it's just about, you know, kind of, getting people to think and come up with new things and, and hopefully make our existence on this planet better. That's how I see it. Do you kind of agree with that or, or
1: what's your I take on that? I love the way you put that. I, I absolutely adore the way you put that. And I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head, Kevin, because uh, creativity is a way of thinking. It's not the outcome. It's not the painting hanging on the wall. It's not the concert that you're attending. It is a way of thinking, and it is a, a way of building. And, and like you said, this, this is uh, for the betterment of our existence. Everything is building, building, building. And we have a choice. We can foster that way of thinking because it is a, um, something that is developed and practiced over time, as we can see with the artist. That is an artist's way of thinking. We've had practice at that. Other people have not because they've only been exposed to this rather stilted um, construct of of, uh, scheduled classes and, and different subjects, which is still bizarre. But you're exactly right. When we open that and when we start to collaborate and blur the boundaries and, for example, teach through the arts, we will be able to to build our creative capacity and that way we need to think and that way we need to to live to to ensure we have a a a better life
0: sure no i i 100 agree with you and i i think even just having like a creative outlet i think even if you're not even if you're like i don't like painting or 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 whatever there's like other things you can do creatively to just kind of have an outlet that even if you never show anybody or or you know even tell other people that you're you do that but like for me like I'm I'm not really I wouldn't consider myself like a painter but I've painted in the past and the stuff I come up with I think is terrible and I would never show anybody but I find it like super relaxing, just like put on music and just like paint. It doesn't really matter what comes out. Right. If you, if you feel better after it, like, why is that bad? Right. And I think some people are just scared to kind of do something, even if they, it's kind of just for themselves or to kind of just relax, you know, and it it kind of sounds maybe cheesy, but I think sometimes people are scared to just try new things to kind of, help themselves along and maybe just kind of have a relaxing night.
1: Sure. Absolutely. And, and lest we allocate it to a, a frivolous thing like having a relaxing night because I can hear people thinking, yeah, sure. And, and there isn't a, a a mother out there who who isn't thinking, yeah, easy for you to say, I'm going to have a relaxing night here and, and grab my, my paints and my, uh, My campus and try and create something because it ain't gonna happen i guarantee but it it is something that we can encourage and that we can foster especially in an education system where we have people at that perfect age for it to seem normal and not freakish if after the age of, of 11 or grade five, somebody raises their hands and, and says, uh, yeah, you know what, I, I was thinking of being an artist. Mm-hmm. And people aren't looking at them saying, oh, well, good, good luck there, buddy, because <laughs> that, um, that food bank is going to have to feed you. So we have a very skewed sense of, of purpose and priority. I see um, I would hope that 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 kind of practice and something that we can encourage like that uh, really leads to to let's use the let's use the heavy hitting argument um, innovation. Mm-hmm. So if there are uh, groups of of kids or classrooms or schools or entire districts, which there are by the way, devoted completely to teaching through creativity and exploration and uh, and imagination and fostering those kinds of things. Well, these are the kids who are, are creating the apps that we're using on our phones right now. These are the kids who are creating uh, computers, uh, entire businesses, entrepreneurs are creative. If we start bringing in that economic argument, then we give some weight, which I um, admittedly um <laughs> don't don't feel 100% comfortable because there are certain aesthetics that you just can't count and uh, how does it feel to listen to that piece of music well that's something that you can't uh, tabulate on a computer sure. uh, or on a calculator but it does have some intrinsic value but once you start to eliminate all of those things then I think we see um, the, the real value but if we go back to what we were saying before and that it's a it's a way of thinking, um, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. This might sound a little bit esoteric, but when we connect with that part of ourselves, the part of ourselves that doesn't just have to do something, the part of ourselves that isn't consuming something because we, uh, goodness knows, spend enough of our lives consuming, um, the opposite of consumption is creation when we turn off the consumption and we start creating something, all of a sudden we've, we've triggered something. We've triggered an awareness, something that is uh, perhaps um, more intimate and, and smaller within ourselves, but also uh, larger and, and externally. And what that ultimately will trigger is uh, an act of connection. When you create something, uh, you are connecting to something, whether it's yourself, whether it's an artist wanting to connect with an audience, uh, whether it's uh, a business person wanting to connect with um, clients or customers, there is that connection, and ultimately, it's that human connection that we're fostering, and we can build anything upon that. And I think that's where we might need to be turning our priorities right now.
0: Yeah i i think I, I think it makes makes a lot of sense. So, what do you kind of say to the people that are kind of skeptical of the arts? Like, how do you kind of at least get them to at least maybe think about kind of the art side of of things and and trying to maybe bring and foster kind of the creativity into their organizations.
1: Oh gosh, okay, uh, I have a lot to say right. about people who are skeptical mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. art, <laughs> and, and I love that. Actually, I I I thrive on on listening to them because. Uh, I I really need to listen to them. What are you afraid of? What what is there to be skeptical um, of the arts for? Uh, (laughs) What's the bottom line? And inevitably, the bottom line comes to some kind of skewed financial rationale. And what that can mean is um, we don't have enough money to fund both the arts program and the science program at school. I'm sorry, guess which one is going to go? And I steadfastly argue, (laughs) (laughs) why is there still a science and an arts program? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, I'm going to fill the right two tires on my car and I'm sorry, I don't have enough air for the left two tires. It doesn't make any sense at all. There are different skill sets. there are different knowledge bases, but until we learn and, and accept and realize that they all work best together, this um, this lowering of the value of the arts—it's so easily um, extrapolated and then and severed from from the rest of the body. It's, it, it. I think it's it's actually that violent. How can you how can you think of that as just a, a, a frivolous thing? that you can just um, divide and 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 prioritize everything else over that so the the skepticism of the arts um here's another argument i hear all the time Well, how are you going to make a, a living as an artist <laughs> well okay i don't make a living as an artist i can tell you uh, firsthand it's exceptionally difficult to make a living as an artist but that's not the goal if that's your goal um, boy, we would have a, a whole lot of, of, um, uh, uh, I mean, no offense by this uh, accountants and and pharmacists. Hmm. I mean, and I only mean that because uh, that tends to be a, a profession that every parent would feel very safe and secure if their child were to to take up.
0: Sure. No, that's fair. Which but, is great. Yeah. No, fair enough. But like, I I guess like for for me like i do make a living in the arts right like that's my day job like this this radio thing is is totally a side project and so for me like i i basically work you know on web and mobile software all day long right so i mm-hmm. think people when they when you say art it's like well like a painter or like a poet and or like a musician and there's nothing wrong with that cuz like i I play drums and guitar and stuff as well. But so like I, I love kind of all aspects of that stuff. But I think people don't realize that like there's other industries that you can go into in the arts that you can make a, a good, if not really good living. And if you even want to argue that one one further, there's like I was reading an article a few weeks ago that you have way more of a chance at becoming a millionaire, going to work at a startup as like a designer or developer than you ever would trying to be like a pro athlete. And I was like, that's true, right? And so, so many parents push their kids into sports, but in reality, if they're really looking to maybe potentially do something that they could live and do for the rest of their life, because we all know pro athletes can only do it for, you know, periods of time or maybe decades, but you could be a programmer or a designer for your entire life, right? And you can make a really good living at it. And I think just kind of promoting that and mentioning that, I think just kind of getting the awareness out there. It's like, to me, that's still the arts, right? And writing code is an art form and it takes a lot of creativity or doing design for the phone that we all carry every day is... You know, it's the arts, right? So I think it's not always just kind of what we traditionally think of as the arts.
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Again, you said that so well. And and you know, um, uh, the, there's a, a person, Jacob Bronowski, who was the of man, and he said about science and art: science is as much a matter of imagination as as is poetry. And and again, it goes it goes to that really. Um, antiquated sense that that the arts are uh, uh, separate and beyond anything else and and you're right when we start measuring the economic contribution of the arts or creativity or creative industries um, and we have done that through the national creativity network and and the subcommittee on the Creative Economy Coalition—they've done a fabulous work. It's it's dated now because it's two years old, sure. um, where they made a, a listing of of definitions of what really defined what were the creative industries. After you do that, and you start to tabulate the contribution, the economic contribution of the creative industries, and uh, it uh, in in most cases in in Canada we haven't done that. Uh, specific math, but there have been initial tabulations saying that, um, for example, in, in British Columbia, the uh, creative industries outnumber the total contributions monetarily of, of fisheries, of mining, of forestries, um, and there are a, few, a couple other ones combined. Sure, All of those industries combined, yet we still, and you know, the adage goes. Uh, what we measure, we support. And if we don't measure them with as creative industries, because that's a little uh, odious, maybe to the rarefied artist, and we don't like to think of ourselves as being uh, <laughs> part of an industry, yet we are, and and it's a completely fair evaluation too. We contribute enormously. Uh, in, in this continent, on this continent, um, to to our economic well-being. So once we have that economic validation, I wonder if the people who are skeptical of, quote, the arts would be uh, so quick to, to jump in. And at that point, I would say, okay, well, what is more economically viable than the arts? You don't have a whole lot. Of course, in Alberta, the argument um against the arts and and for that other side of the the conversation is where we have our oil industry. Yeah yeah. Totally. So we yeah we're also we in a recession right that... now
0: because of that industry. So
1: <laughs> Well well exactly a recession that nobody thought would happen especially this quickly. And seven years ago nobody did think this would happen. And the arrogance, I'll be I'll be honest, the arrogance was astounding. We don't need to was was the general tenor. We don't need to think about the contribution of the arts because we have the contribution of the oil industry, and when you're relying on that that um, uh, singular, you know, you know all uh, all bets on that that one horse, uh, something's going to happen, and it's almost like it was begging to happen, and of course it did, because we weren't the first. Um, Region to see it. I mean, we we had we had our neighbors uh, to the south experiencing this years before. And then what? And then what happens when the bottom drops out? Whether it's the oil industry in Alberta or some other industry um, uh, in Finland, or you have to you have to be resilient and you have to be able to redefine. And it makes you really think about what what you want. To prioritize in your life, in your family, in your community, and what is important to you, and at that point, it's not uh, oh, well, the arts are frivolous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, it's not something to be severed. It's uh, creativity, imagination; these are qualities. It's not, it's not a result, and and the arts aren't frivolous. It's an aesthetic. It's an aesthetic that few uh, in in this. Um, country or, or North America can do without. But um, the most uh, I think really the most compelling reasons for not dismissing the arts in like that is because of the relationship building qualities it has. Um, teaching things through the arts in an artistic way uh, and still I, I am a little hesitant to use that, that term because I know it does um, alienate some people, um, it, it does create better citizenry, it creates uh, an air of empathy, um, we get to, to foster relationships, we get to work on the things that really matter, and through that, we actually have a desire to create devices or apps or businesses for the betterment of, of humankind,
0: Sure. No, I I think that makes a lot of sense. So what would you say is kind of the Creativity Network's main goal of maybe 2017 and kind of beyond? Like, is there something that you guys are really trying to focus on? Like, are you trying to get more arts in schools or more arts in kind of the company or companies or kind of both? Or or what is kind of like, do you guys set out kind of like a yearly goal?
1: Oh, (laughs) So that's a great great question um uh to to be frank uh the the network right now and as as with the national creativity network um exists as volunteer directors okay. who are doing fabulous things in their own regions and own areas and um usually it is a uh, project-based or event-based okay um initiatives and with the with the overarching goal to promote and escalate the importance of creativity and imagination throughout the sectors of commerce culture and education and um, it's uh, it's a tricky um, plate spinning kind of sure. juggling act and uh, really elevating all conversations any conversation including science, um, you know the the famous stem um, yep. initiative uh, well it, why not de- expand that to include uh, arts and make it the STEAM? that's um you know the the little popular kitschy acronym for things <laughs> but but really, we do want to expand the conversation. We want uh, people to realize that the innovation that people long for and and how does the 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 sexy results that everybody wants is the cure-all, the hero that's going to come in and, and make everyone's economy and lives better. It, it has an origin, and the origin isn't uh, stilted subjects divided in school. It, the answer is engaging, and uh, engaging the curiosity and the creativity of kids so they're involved and they're invested in what's happening in their lives, and that they're they're actually um, becoming agents and and active, effective agents, and that they have a voice. And one of the projects, um, maybe this is a good time to introduce this project. Sure. The Alberta Creativity Network is partnering with the Alberta Council of Technologies and the Center for Global Education, okay. and we're really excited to be. Uh, announcing um, our launch, actually, uh, just two days ago, we had our launch of um, what we're calling create creating the next Alberta, creating the new Alberta. I'm gonna get this <laughs> wrong. creating the new Alberta, and it's engaging youth. We've uh, engaged high school students across the province in a really broad array of of schools and school settings. Um, and we have a very large province, so, so it was no small feat. Terry Godwalt is the lead. Yeah. We're thrilled and honoured to have him um, taking this as a project where we will ultimately be engaging uh, 6,000 youth wow. to lend their voice and lend their creativity and their imagination and their thoughts in creating the new Alberta. Now, uh, during our launch, I was really struck by one young lady's question and uh, it, may, it may not surprise you that this uh, this question came from a young lady who attends uh, Victoria School of the Arts.
0: Sure, that's where I went. Yep.
1: Oh, good. Well, that's where my daughter is now. So I was uh, advocating, of course, for there to be that arts voice in this project because it's so important. But she very eloquently and diplomatically brought up uh, that this is um, uh, an endeavour largely launched by the Alberta Council of Technologies. She said, where do we fit in? We are artists. We want to um, be a part of this discussion, but how are we going to fit in? And uh, Carrie uh, replied, of course, that that's why The art school was chosen to be one of the participants. We also have a science-focused school. We have uh, schools representing all kinds of communities throughout our province because it's the diversity of the voices that matters the most. And for those artists, um, what I heard in her question was that, again, she fears um, being segmented or, or severed from the real conversation. And what we're trying to encourage is is uh, as an artist or as a scientist, you are the conversation. You are part of the conversation. you are an equal part of the conversation, a valid uh, affirmed and mm-hmm. validated, Part of the conversation we can't do without that part of the conversation if we start doing that then it is no longer uh, a full conversation we can't design our future so that uh, that question just two days ago kept me kept me going again and how can we honor her question how can we honor her fear and this is the fear that the artists have and it's kind of a a reflection of the of the naysayers the those who who don't appreciate or, or fully recognize the value of the arts or artistic thinking or creative thinking. So what I would say to that on both sides, because we do have fears on both sides, we have the artists hammering at the window to get into the conversation and everybody afraid that their children are going to go off and be um, starving uh, artists and, and ballerinas on the street somewhere in in the Freezing um, winters of, of Edmonton, but but what I would what I would say is that when we include everybody in the conversation and make sure that all voices matter and all voices are heard and all voices have an opportunity to collaborate together, then all of a sudden we get to experience the greatest common denominator, and they learn to look above economic or artistic or scientific considerations. They become people collaborating in a very creative way through very creative means. And I'm really excited to see what they come up with as their uh, output in the final white paper um, at the end of April, which is just a, a few short weeks away.
0: Sure. Well, Haley, sadly, we're running out of time. So maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and uh, the network?
1: Okay, sure. Um, We would encourage everybody to, there are a few sites with a lot of acronyms. The Alberta Council of Technologies, ABC Tech, is uh, the lead organization of the Engaging Youth Project. Um, The Center for Global Education is another. Um, Alberta Council, sorry, Said that one already. The Alberta Creativity Network <laughs> is uh, a partner and subsidiary and member of the National Creativity Network, which is a broader organization run through um, throughout North America, which is broadening uh, every week. I would invite everybody to to investigate, especially if uh, uh, everyone in Virginia and um, Atlanta. Um, atlanta that's that's georgia are, are listening um the national creativity network and uh and the subsidiary or the subcommittee the creative economy coalition those are all wonderful organizations just do a little bit of searching i can't even do justice um in this short call to to all of the fabulous activities um please get involved please investigate um Do something. (laughs) Have a click.
0: (laughs) Well, Haley, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin. All
0: right. Thanks. Bye.
1: Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep going for the future.